Waking Wraith, written by Alexander Campbell and narrated by Alexander Campbell. Chapter 6. Rain and Beer? Oh dear. Beep, 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 bap, 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 rattled in her ear. Beep, beep, bap, 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 bap. Thud, thud. Katie, can you turn that thing off? It's been going on for an hour, shouted Astride from the behind the door. Glancing at the time, she moaned, oh, not again. Whacking the button, she sprung to action. Spraying her hair with dry shampoo, throwing her dad's rugby top on and rinsing her face in the bedroom sink. Like a shoe shiner works at rush hour, she brushed her teeth and as she packed her bag, she swirled mouthwash. Luckily, her team were meeting in the library across the road. If she pegged it, she'd only be 20 minutes late. Climbing over and straddling the dual carriageway dividing barrier, a van driver blasted his horn. Perv, she shouted, then losing her grip, she fell into the road. Her palms broke the fall. But a car screeched to a halt. An angry, pale-faced woman screamed from the driver's window. You idiot! There's a crossing down there! Didn't your mum teach you to cross the road? Emitting the area, she held her hands up. Luckily for her, it wasn't rush hour. She hobbled to the other side. Her palms were cut and her knees throbbed. Fearing Bradley's disapproving looks, she bypassed the uni medical. On the second floor in the library, she found a team studiously reading books. They all raised their heads at once, and Kenneth said, only 17 minutes after the agreed time. That's a 73 minute improvement. Bradley stared at her. She was not late enough to be angry with, but she was late and Bradley's look indicated he thought he'd really made his point. Kenneth said sharply, your hands are bleeding. You must clean them now. You'll get an infection. Quick, quick. And he stood up from his chair and grabbed her sleeve and led her urgently across the room. Bradley followed and asked insistently, Katie, are you all right? Did you bang your head? She giggled. Yeah, I'm fine. I feel a bit rushed here though. Reaching the lady's toilet, Kenneth stopped and said bluntly, I can't go in. True, she said. You must wash your hands front and back and in between the fingers and clean the cuts. You must get all the bad germs out. You must, Katie. Infections are very serious. She looked at him adoringly and said, Thanks, hon. The soap stung the grazes with venom and then eased to a gentle brush of a nettle under the cool water. She searched every corner of the mirror. Jane wasn't there. Her life was surging at breakneck speed. It felt like her body was slung forward, but her mind was trailing behind. When she thought of her life, past, present and future, each magnetic piece was pushed, moved and jumbled on the fridge door. She could not make out what it said or the picture it should be. Festavia itched her, its dream played beneath her conscious. When rested, it appeared vibrant and bright, but a tickle of anxiety would pour grey over it. It nagged her. She only moved when hounded or baited. Festavia was not to stop. It relentlessly pursued her. It was ravenous in need. Ugh, she murmured, dabbing water. She had forgotten to put makeup on. She pushed the door. Kenneth was still waiting. He asked anxiously, Are you okay? She showed her hands. He said, If it swells and you see a red line from the cut, seek immediate medical help. Thanks, Kenneth. You've been really sweet. He forced a smile, turned and then scampered back to his seat. Jenny, who sat opposite her, said, I always stack it on nights out. She groaned. I fell crossing the road. Timo said, hangovers always do me in. I've dropped a 20 kilogram dumbbell on my foot. My toenail fell off. All cringed and he said, it grew back. Katie replied, you're like a bug, you regenerate. They all laughed and she said, but I didn't go out though. Steve sighed. Come on, with third years, too wise to be fooled. I meditated instead. All but Kenneth and Bradley roared with laughter. The morning of studying was painful. Her eyes fought to stay open. 
They were revising employment law, dreary and brain-numbing. But to be fair to the subject, she thought most were. She slipped off to the university canteen to get a pump-up, a straight double espresso. Without much of an invitation, Bradley joined, he asked. Late night? I know you think I went out, but I didn't. I was meditating. Hey, I'm not judging. I'm just saying there's not much time left. I want you to do well. Her head was marred in questions. What is Lutz doing? And what's wrong with Wraith? Bradley, I'm not going to do well. I don't deserve it. They sit at the canteen's entrance. It was a short break, so they did not sit. She avoided eye contact and stared deep into a cup of hydrogen rocket fuel. His face softened and he lowered himself to cup level, looked up and pulled a funny face. She smiled and said, careful, I'm clumsy. It's worth the risk to see you smile. She felt uneasy but replied, are you practising your lines on me? He gave an unconvincing laugh and said, well, I've got to keep it fresh. You don't need to try. You get checked out all the time. By who? Well, over there, those girls can't stop playing with their hair. They're talking loudly too. Girls always do that. They were quiet before you came in. Look at them now. Their screeches are giving me a headache. They keep looking over. It's probably because you don't look like a student. He sneaked a peek and caught their eyes. Oh, right. Yeah, they're hot. What do you mean I don't look like a student? You dress way too suave and you have film star hair. He ran his fingers back through his brown wavy locks and said, suave? I'm wearing jeans and a jumper. Plus your woolen double-breasted jacket and brown leather boots. You do look hot, though. You should go and say hi. He laughed nervously and said, I'm not really good at talking to girls. In normal life, you know, out of a bar. I find it embarrassing. I'll do it. That's embarrassing. No, it'll be fine, I promise. And before he could really make his point, she brazenly walked to the table. Bradley cringed and sighed. He saw her talk to all three girls, and then she took one of their phones and tapped it and handed it back. When she returned, he said, What did you say? They must think I'm a little boy sending you over. No, quite the opposite. Francesca, the one with the long blonde hair, has your number. The other two have boyfriends. His eyes widened and his mouth slacked. And in jest, he said, Thanks, a wingwoman. Charged with energy, she took her place. Jenny, using Kenneth's notes, had made flashcards and was quizzing the group. Explain how the law of tort affects product liability. Timo shrugged his shoulders and Kenneth bit his lip. They were his notes. She continued. OK, let's try an easy one. How many weeks of statutory maternity pay is a pregnant woman entitled to? Timo rubbed his stomach and said, I'm entitled to it now. I ate half a chicken in the break. In a robotic voice, she said, You have 10 seconds to answer. Meep. He laughed and copied. I think one year. Kenneth freed his lip. It's 39 weeks and you shouldn't eat so much. If to give you indigestion. Maybe, but I need the protein. I did a 6am gym sesh. Steve shook his head. Timo, how many times? It's all about the meal prep. Make and eat your meals properly and you'll see the gains. Timo bent his arms above his head and tensed his biceps and said smugly, these puppies are doing just fine. Jenny rolled her eyes and continued. When she reached Katie, she asked, easy or hard? Sitting stiffly with her legs crossed, she said glumly, hard. Okay, when does a supplier or manufacturer become liable for prosecution for a defective product? Kenneth interrupted. That's an easy one. Jenny said in a robotic voice, Katie, you have 10 seconds. Her brain froze and she blurted out, when it's broken. Jenny, sensing Kenneth was about to interrupt again, said, sort of, but can you elaborate? Katie shrugged his shoulders. Jenny said, 
It's when a defective product causes harm or kills an individual. This counts for suffering property damage too. Kenneth blurted out, Death. I'd write death. Katie shuddered. Jenny said, That's a warm-up. Don't worry. Let's do another. No, I'm okay. I need to read more. I better go. Thanks for today, everyone. Tomorrow we're working on starting a business, yeah? Bradley, quite noticeably, didn't want her to leave and said, Stay until 2pm. We've got some time. Standing up and straightening her rugby top, she fluffed her hair and replied, Sorry, I've just got a few things on my mind. I'll be in early tomorrow. An hour after Brighton early. Hey, Kenneth. Kenneth smiled. Walking down the stairwell, leaving the library, she heard the quick patter of footsteps. Then Jenny's voice. Katie, wait up. Katie said, you're leaving too. It seems you're flying in there. Nah, I was just reading the questions. I'm hanging like you. I was at a gig last night. I didn't go out. I really was meditating. I thought that stuff was meant to chill you. You look drained. Thanks. Sorry. You still look hot though, like a supermodel. <laughs> Not in this beat up shirt. You're rocking it. Stopping at the foot of the stairs, Katie looked up and asked, Why are you being so nice to me? I know, weird for a rock chick, yeah? It's because I know you've had it hard. I don't normally like girls, but you're alright. Clutching her large canvas bag, Katie replied, I'm the same. Usually girls hate me. Some started hating me at the end of first school, then all hated me after my mum died. I didn't know about your mum. I'm sorry. It's okay. She died when I was 11. I can't imagine time makes it easier. Katie squeezed her bag and gazed out the library's double doors. Breaking the silence, Jenny asked, What are you up to now? She looked back and said, Now I'm going to find a homeless man who doesn't want to be found. Jenny liked the sound of an unusual adventure. They left the campus. A light drizzle of rain sprinkled their hair and a grey cloud filtered a dull light over the town. Jenny said, Whenever you see a film set in London, it's always grey like this. I can't understand why tourists bother. Katie chuckled and said, They come because we have royalty. I'd love to be a princess or a queen. What, lays around and drink tea all day? I've heard the queen only has two days off a year. She does loads of charity work. Jenny asked, do you do charity work? No, I need the money. I've seen my dad struggle. I don't want to be the same. Katie had little idea what she would do when she found Wraith. She was just going to let things play out. Arriving under the railway bridge, the pigeons and the rafters carooed. He was gone, but his belongings were still there. He'd rolled up his sleeping bag tightly and left a few books piled neatly next to it. Jenny plunged her hands into her hoodie's front pocket and peered up. The Victorian brickwork seeped and dripped. Looking down at the floor, she saw hardened and fresh bird feces. This is pretty grim. If we stay here, we're going to get shat on, she said. Standing back, looking at his belongings, Katie's mind raced. If I was a stubborn, homeless ex-soldier, where and what would I be doing now? Lunch. But he's left his stuff. He mustn't have made enough from begging. He's probably off looking for food. We're going to have to search the town, she said. It's not large, we should find him. Can't, Jenny said. Can't we just wait until he comes back? Sorry, I must find him. They walked up and down both of the town's high streets and searched the passageways leading between them. They searched coffee shops and even posh boutiques too. They couldn't find him anywhere. Katie said, we haven't searched the car parks. What would he be doing in them? No idea. There's a few of them, and we've searched everywhere else. Outside the town centre, Katie and Jenny arrived at a large open-air car park. The drizzle turned to pouring. Jenny pulled out her bag and mini umbrella. They both sheltered under it. 
The rain pelted the shabby tarmac and its faded lines. There were plenty of cars, but not many people. The few that were dashed to and from the ticket machines. There were two others like them in the rain. A ticket inspector strolling around the cars and a man wearing a soaked jumper, ripped jeans and a hanging, soggy hair. He hovered by the ticket machines. It's sad in Katie to see Rafe like that. In Festavia, he'd been a proud, bold warrior who'd lived to a standard that most couldn't. That's him, Katie said, pointing to the middle of the car park. What's he doing? He's getting soaked. Let's watch him. Okay. But it's chucking it down, said Jenny. Whatever he's up to, he'll do it soon, said Katie. A man running with a magazine over his head ran to the ticket machine. Wraith remained there, like he was on duty, hands in his pockets, with raindrops dripping from his nose and chin. The man quickly fed several coins in and then tapped his foot impatiently. Snatching a ticket, he fled back to his car. After a minute or so, Rafe left his post and checked the coin return. He retrieved several coins. Oh, that's not a bad way to get cash, said Katie. Well, he's earning it. He's soaked, said Jenny. After he'd checked the last machine, he began walking out the car park. Katie said, come on, let's go and say hi. Do you really know him? He could be a nutter, said Jenny. He is, said Katie. They hurried after him. Jenny's umbrella blew inside out and the vacuum sucked rain onto them. Catching him up from behind, Katie cried, Wraith! On the pavement outside the pub, he stopped and turned around, squinted his eyes and shook his head and continued walking. Wraith, wait up! He muttered. What the hell do you want? Reaching him, she said, after taking several breaths, a word. You better not be police. It's bloody weird you hounding me like this. It's not like you're after my good looks. I really need a chat with you. The rain soaked into his matted hair and ran down his weathered, gaunt face. Between drips, his eyes squinted. He said, well, if you want my time, buy me a pint. He gruffly laughed and said, a woman can do that these days. The pub was worn in. Its carpet, an 80s pattern, was threadbare in several places. It smelled as of a musty stale beer and a handful of residents looked part of the furniture, dwindled on stalls and moth-eaten soft-backed chairs. Rafe nodded at the bartender and said, These are buying. I'm off to the bog. The bartender, a short stocky man with an Edwardian imperial moustache, shouted, No funny business, all right? I need a piss. I'll have a pint of IPA and chuck in some port scratchings. Cup of tea too, she replied sarcastically. No, it's a bloody pub. And he pushed the door clumsily, causing a violent bang. The barman shook his head and said, We do serve coffee and tea here. He lives in the past. Anyway, what are you doing with him? Playing with a cardboard beer mat, she answered. He's an old friend. He wasn't always this way. Ha, <laughs> he said. I'm tempted to ask for an ID. You can't have known him when he was any good. Flicking out her ID, she said, I'm 21. And you'd be surprised how quick bad times can happen. In a week or two, if people, stop, people like him stop coming in, you'd be scrounging for a pint as well. Ignoring her comment, he twiddled both ends of his moustache upwards and said, I pay for him and what for you two? Water, she replied. Hang on, said Jenny. I'll have a double vodka and coke, please. Katie said, I only have enough for a pint. I've got this. I haven't had this much fun on a Wednesday lunchtime in ages. Sitting down in a cove wooden booth, watched by the bartender drying glasses. They both watched Rafe sip his pint. A smile and a flush filled his cheeks. He let out an ah. And it seemed for a moment he was no longer the weathered, snappy man they'd met. Where's the port scratchings, he barked. Katie stared at him and thought, where do I start? He's no ideas in Festavia. He doesn't remember our adventure. 
Sliding the packet across the table, she asked, How did you dry your hair? The hand dryer? You two should do the same. Maybe later. So, Wraith, what's your story? Journalist, I knew it. Nope, I'm just curious. Curiosity killed the cat, Katie tutted. Crunching loudly on his port scratchings, he continued. That was a band in the 80s, I like them. Wraith, I bought you a drink, I'm skint, can you actually talk to me? You're a bossy one, aren't you? Okay, but don't plaster me all over that local paper. I like to keep a low profile. Wraith, I've already shown you my student ID. It appeared like he'd forgotten. So she showed him again. Oh yeah, you look, yes I know, batshit crazy. So you were a marine and you went to public school, what was the rest? His demeanour changed. He went from being straight to hunched. It seemed as if he'd been popped by a needle. Katie mirrored his posture and empathised. What was public school like? You didn't go? No, I went to state school. You sound like you did. Thanks, I guess. No offence, but you don't. He laughed a phlegm-ridden laugh, which made Jenny wince. He said, It's funny how things change you. The army gave me a tradesman's banter, and the streets made me coarse. Tell me a joke then, Katie said. I ain't a DJ. I don't do requests. I love lad jokes. You must have one from the army. He gulped his pint. It sounded like he would gag and he said, What do you call a marine with an IQ of 110? What? A platoon. Rafe laughed raucously but was halted by a ghastly cough. She said, Can I have one which isn't PG? Hey, I may look like a fucking piece of shit, but to a lady I don't speak like it. Katie and Jenny laughed, but Rafe didn't get it. Katie asked, Were you a private? Was I hell? I was a captain. Straight after uni... I joined officers training. I didn't want to, but my dad insisted that I be someone. He said travelling was for layabouts. So when others were visiting warm countries and discovering themselves, I was doing a 30 mile march over a cold bog of a moor with 40 pounds on my back. I guess it made you stronger. Ha, yeah. But strength isn't everything. What else do you need? Not much or a lot. Depends on the person. I have not much. I like it that way. Does that make you happy? Happiness is a rare gift of survival. Katie felt that time was running out. Rafe looked jittery and hypersensitive. The pub was almost empty, apart from one elderly man at the end of the bar reading a paper. The door pushed open and Rafe twitched. Katie, facing the door, asked if he wanted to switch places. He did and said he liked to see who was coming and going. Another elderly man joined the bar and sat facing them, staring. Nosy bugger, Rafe muttered. He tapped his finger on the table. His glass was empty, and Katie didn't have enough money for another. Katie asked, What books do you read? He thought, and went to answer but stopped. How do you know I read? Damn, she thought, I've spooked him. I saw them piled up neatly. We went to see you earlier, but you weren't there. Oh, right. That reminds me, I better go. I should get my stuff. Will someone take it? Maybe the council, or other homeless, but I know most of them. Although a few have died recently. I reckon I'm losing more mates a week than I did in combat. What do you mean? They're overdosing. It's odd. Because I ain't new to it. It's hitting me hard. Gary died on Monday. He was my best pal. Katie turned pale. She was trying to pretend that what she'd seen in Festavia wasn't real. She said, How strange is it? How many people do you know who've overdosed? A few in the last couple of years. But this has been weekly. People are just letting go. What is Skag? she asked. It's heroin. Do you do it? I did. Now I'm on methadone. 
and trying to get off it. Why? Because it fucks you. Look at me, I'm 37, but I look 50. Skag is like a job which takes over your life. I don't want a job. I want freedom. What's freedom to you? Feeling good, being able to sleep, having no shit in my life. When I took Skag, it freed me. It flew me away. Meth meth does that. But now I'm used to it. Now I feel shit all the time. Sometimes I want to mix Skag with meth and fly back. Is that bad? Yeah, you can overdose. He began twitching his legs. His feet wanted to take him off, but his top half anchored him. Katie quickly asked, When you take meth, do you remember your dreams and where you go? No. It just feels awesome. It feels like Christmas used to be. The only day of the year I could feel good. Even my father was happy then. When did you start taking Skag? (sighs) When I got homeless. I drink myself to death, so it made sense to try. What else was there? Katie placed her hand on his, which clutched an empty glass. She stared into his eyes and his squinting stopped. For a moment he looked as he did when she first met him, separated from her body in the nightclub. He smiled a little and said, You should be a counsellor. I never told anyone this. Wraith, you're an amazing man. It seems like you're not treating yourself right. Can I get another point? I'm out of cash. Jenny said, I've got this. Pines for IPA, yeah? Thanks, love. Jenny went to the bar and started a stilted conversation with the elderly man. Katie took a chance to probe him further. Wraith, I need you to remember Festavia. It's important. I need your help. For a moment, he lost awareness of his surroundings. He appeared calm. Catherine Peruzzi, I have no idea how I know your name or why I hear it when I wake. I'm putting it down to the drugs. I sort of remember you telling me about Festavia. I like it. It sounds exactly where I'd like to be. I'm riddled with horrible feelings. They terrorise me. I've learnt to shut them out. I live my life numb. I like it. The thought of Festavia appeals. If I could get there, I would. Trust me, I've tried. But Katie, I've never been. But, look love, I'm not judging. I've met many like you. You go raving to these hipster festivals. Take a pill and end it like a straight banana, he whispered. A bit weird, but it's okay. We could be mates. But that's it. You're attractive. But I like girls my own age. Besides, I don't think you'd like to couple up with me under the bridge. She covered her mouth and tried not to laugh. This was a race she knew. Serious, but unknowingly funny. Her nose blew with uncontrollable laughter. Rafe laughed too, although probably not with her. Jenny placed the pint on the table and said, What's so funny? Katie said, He said I remind him of a straight banana and not to get my hopes up. Hey, I'm just being truthful, he said. Jenny giggled. Ray said, you girls need to dry your hair. You'll catch a cold. Trust me, I know. Go on. It'll take a while for me to finish this. Katie felt shivery. The pub had its heaters turned off and only a few warm bodies to heat it. Jenny said, hand dry it is. I've done that loads in gigs. I'm always getting splashed with beer. Katie's hair blew wildly. Jenny shrieked with laughter. She showed her how to dry it bit by bit. They talked about Wraith. Katie expected Jenny to be freaked out, but she said he was no different from the guys she'd met in rock clubs. Leaving the toilet, Katie stomped her feet and said, Damn it! He's necked that quick, said Jenny. With a huff, Katie picked up the empty glass and carried it to the bar. The elderly man said, Ugh, don't spend time with him. He might rub off on you. Katie gave a passive-aggressive look. Undeterred, he said, You nice girls have a lot to live for. Look what happens when you blow your life on drugs. He displayed the front page of the paper. It read, Gareth Harding, a former soldier, another victim of the town's drug epidemic. 
With a man's faltering voice in the background, she sped read the article. Gareth had been on two tours and served as a medic. On his second tour, an explosion permanently impaired his hearing. He was discharged and returned to live with his girlfriend. He suffered regular bouts of depression and his relationship broke down. He could not keep a job and became homeless and became an addict. Katie's heart hurt for Gary. You see, love, some people don't want to take life seriously. I was born just before the war. They were hard times. People now don't know they were born. She passed the paperback and said, That guy's probably been through more than we can imagine. Probably, but he was a medic. He didn't have to get that stuck in. It depends on what you mean by stuck in. Treating the wounded and watching people die as a job. That's about stuck in as I can imagine. What's your work? I'm retired, but I ran that shop across the road for 40 years. Every bloody morning I'd move those layabouts on. There's hostels they can go to, but they don't want to use them. Probably because they can't inject that rubbish. Shot work is a bit different from being shot at. You shouldn't judge all homeless people the same. Look, love, I respect the forces. My dad parachuted on D-Day. I just don't have respect for cop-outs that live from us. Did your dad talk about it? No. Many came back like that. They called it shell shock. They used to go down the Legion. That's why I think you'd talk about it. The barman interrupted. Don't worry about him. He likes a good old moan about the world. Don't you, Trevor? Well, there's a lot wrong with it. Leaving the pub, Katie thanked Jenny. Jenny enjoyed it. She didn't know Katie was the way she was, caring and a bit bananas. A straight banana to be exact. She asked her to come to a gig. Even though Katie dreaded the idea, she said yes. Thanks for listening to Waking Wraith. Please follow us on social media on Instagram and Facebook under Festavia. Thank you.